Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Cheers, Brandon. Brandon won't. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs Podcast. We're thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Uh, I got Tony in the studio with me. Yes. Haven't had him sitting across from me in a long time. It's great. Indeed. We also have Jared dialing in digitally. Brandon won't pick ups, by the way. Yes. Using his AOL account. Yeah. (laughs) Dial up modem. Yeah, exactly. Still have it. Uh, we have a super duper special on the show, special show on the show, but Jared, why don't you ask Tony what we do on the show? Uh, Tony Baloney, uh, what in the heck do we do on this show? Well, under normal circumstances, we like to talk about gear. We like to talk, uh, specifically about boutique gear, and that would be things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and just all the good stuff. And um, what's a little different this week is we're going to have one of our very special 101s. We're going to have a 101 today. And you know what makes it even more special? What's that? It's a subject that Jared knows, loves, and deals with every day. Fuzz pedals. Fuzz Rishus pedals. (laughs) Psych. No, it's is our pickups. Two hundred one. It's something yeah. like that. One hundred five. I'm not really sure. But but this is different because it is a Q and A. So mm. we've been asking our uh, fantastic audience to send us questions regarding pickups, all things pickups related. So this isn't going to be. Let's let's sit back and let Jared tell us all about pickups, but we are going to be peppering him with questions that he's going to answer the best he possibly can. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll stump him. And then after we pepper him, can we Don't salt do him? It. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm so, kind of old. It'd be tough. Yeah. A lot of fat. Though. Maybe a little MSG would help. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, so ladies and gentlemen, we need to just thank a few people real quick. That's right. We need to thank Rode Mics for providing the Rodecaster Pro, this delicious module sitting in front of us. I have missed this module. Yes. And actually, they just sent a new firmware update because that's how they are. They're like, we have a fantastic product. And you know what's going to make it even more fantastic? A guitar knobs button. That would be amazing. (laughs) If we continue to work to make it better. And that's what they do. And I love that. And we also have the Procaster mics, mm. which Tony's back on board. <laughs> my articulating arm. Yes. I love my articulating arm. It missed you, Tony. Below I me. know. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, thank you very much for that. And also, I did want to share out, We, you know, we get some fantastic letters and, and blurbs and mails and notes and stuff from people. This one in particular that I wanted to share, I think... It applies to us, but it also, I think, probably applies to quite a few people. Um, so I just wanted to share this. It's, um, it, it's a little, well, I'll just go ahead and read it, okay? All right. This one is from one of our favorite friends of the show, James Pegler. He is the electronics slash CPA guy, control panel assembly. Ah. 
at Gibson. Basically, he makes the wiring harnesses for most of the guitars at Gibson. Nice. Uh, sorry, this is in regards to the Magini Guitars episode 212. 212. Uh, and he says, hey guys, I was listening to the latest episode of the Guitar Knobs at work, which, thank you. That's fantastic. I love that you do that. Please tell all of Gibson that you do that. <laughs> I had something of an issue with something that uh, you were all talking about. You were talking about the Epiphone Sheraton and then it needed rewiring. This led to a discussion about Quick Connect or Plug and Play, as Gibson calls them. Ah, I remember that discussion. Yeah. Tony said, and then Jared um, acknowledged, that they preferred the, quote, the way Gibson used to do it, end quote. I believe that Jared said direct or point to point or something like that. Yes, Gibson and Epiphone both use Quick Connects and circuit boards in certain models. However... Though they are annoying to purists and do-it-yourselfers, the PCB Quick Connect models do not have any diminished sound quality, or they wouldn't do it. The vast majority of models that are made at the factory are wired direct, point-to-point, by yours truly, James Pegler. Yeah. Day in and day out. I can assure you, personally, that they are wired by hand by a small team of actual people. The past holds a legendary status, and well-played vintage guitar with a pedigree of lore is always the standard that people hold their mind and compare everything to. I understand the loss of trust by the public and the consumer that it is very hard to earn back. This company has been through some rough years. I can say without a doubt that Gibson has worked very hard in the last couple of years to return the focus to quality and building guitars that are closer to where they what they are historically known for. I would agree. They with really that. have. They really have. So. I am sure that Gibson does not need me to be an apologist for them. I just hope that the guitar community can eventually move forward with us and forgive the past issues at some point. Believe me when I say that Gibson is a very different company than it was even just a few years ago. I also say with absolute certainty, as I am one of the few that perform this work every day, that Gibson still does wire many guitar models direct point to point. I know that Jared and Tony didn't really mean to insult. This one hit home, though, because it directly seemed pointed at what I happen to do every single day. I just wanted to assure you all the majority of the Gibson models being created at the factory are in fact hand-wired by me and my team. That said, the building up of trust is not easy, but this company is doing everything it can to gain back that trust. Unfortunately, the public has been so focused on the past failings of the brand that they want to fail to recognize the changes and efforts to fix what is wrong in the past. I love this show, and I really like and respect you guys. I'm not really mad or anything. I just think that if your favorite podcast was making comments that minimize the work that you do, it would be a bummer to you. If someone said that Tony didn't really make pick guards the right way anymore, (laughs) I'm sure he wouldn't take it on the chin. Damn you! (laughs) You are correct. And he says, uh, thanks, man. Best to you all. James Pegler. Still a fan of the show and look forward to new episodes weekly. Well, I mean, yeah, well, James, well, that was great. And, and thank you for clarifying that. Um, 
uh, you know, it, it, as as you mentioned, there have, have been some disappointments, and um, but oh, I would have to say the last Nam show that people were able to attend, um, the Gibson rollout was impressive, and it, it definitely showed that Gibson was heading back into the right direction. Um, I totally understand why some models have PCBs, um, especially the Epiphone line. Um, but you know, it, 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 it's almost as if you know, like if you if you consider an amplifier, there are purists that say no, it has to be point to point wiring, uh, and you know, the, the minute you put a, a PCB in an amplifier, it changes everything. And I mean, in a guitar circuit, obviously, it's not as critical. But I think that that's. Um, I mean, it's. It's. It, I'm. I'm. I'm super glad that that Gibson is continuing. Uh, you know, on on most of their models. Um, I think the Coronet that I just bought um, is uh, wired that way. There's not a PCB in that. So uh, maybe on some of that line, maybe they're trying to correct some of the things. But. Uh, but thank you for writing because yeah. you know that's and and yes, if somebody uh, you know would it would you know we didn't mean to attack Gibson on that, but if somebody would attack Pick Guardian or Jared's it's, pickups it's, on a yeah, podcast and really, you listen to it, it's it's right. yeah, I totally get it. So it's really hard not to talk about what's been done in the past. You know, if if it's brought up or if somebody calls me and says, "Hey, I want a new whatever," because this is you know, different or, you know, uh, what do you quick, quick connect and all that kind of thing or PCB board inside. Yeah. So, but, but he's absolutely right. Um, there's a fellow by the name of Matt Kaler and and he, um, he's research and development there and he's, he's worked really hard in the past five years to change several things. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, Join Tony's bag wagon, and it's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've really tried, and actually, I don't know if we've tried. We've just naturally been like, hey, we're not here to crap on anybody. Right. It's not about that at all. We're simply just acknowledging that, like, Jared's used to, he, he works with all classic, you know, mostly um, classic and vintage guitar. So that's the kind of stuff that, that he's used to. But I, I do really appreciate above all else that we have listeners who know that by sending us a heartfelt email or just like, Hey, I'm going to hold up the mirror and, you know, take a look at this for you guys that, that it's not going to be met with, you know, a, a, a adversity and, you know, animosity and stuff. It's like, we, no, we, yeah, anger. we, we're all part of the same guitar community and we should be able We're to have perfect, an open conversation. Know everything, so thank you for the correction. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, James, for sending that. Um, that took a lot of thought and uh, we appreciate it. All right. Gentlemen, what's going on in Music World this week? Tanya. <laughs> Why? Why? No, that's Nancy. <laughs> that's Nancy. <laughs> so, well, this week, um, among other things, I was perusing the new vintage guitar magazine that just came out. This is the one with Jay Maskus on the cover, mm. who has a really incredible collection of guitars that they outline in this. I mean, there's some really cool stuff. His jazz masters and, and a bunch of other guitars too. But what, what really, really caught my eye and it really made me think, um, about how 
people like myself and others in the in the vintage world are sometimes quick to jump to conclusions about something. In this case, um, this is an article about two black Les Paul Juniors. One was a 59, one was a 60. And there are no records of Gibson producing uh, black Les Paul Juniors, although there are some rumors about that there was a, uh, a music store ordered or special ordered a special run of them. But um, these are the only two that have ever appeared. And I think to someone who is used to looking at vintage gear, you almost immediately jump to the conclusion that, well, it's either a refin or it's a copy or whatever. But um, And let's be clear, that's a double cut. That's a, that's, a, yeah. that's a junior double cut. Yeah. Which is maybe the best guitar. Uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's it's a cool guitar. I love that guitar. Um, uh, but the uh, these both belong to Dave Henson from uh, Killer Vintage in St. Louis, and um, it's a really cool. The story itself is really good. How he came about the first one, and and he was a little skeptical uh, at first, and um, but it, you know he took it to other experts and they agree that this is an original factory finish and then when the second one appeared uh it was you know it's starting a pattern so there may be more of them out there but you know there might be some people that think they are refins. I might have one well you have you have a much later no, model <laughs> I might have one in the future <laughs> no. That I make look like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do that. You could do yeah. that. But they're um, amazing. Tortoise so, shell pick guards. Yeah, the, beat up it, black. Oh my gosh! And it looks the tortoise guard looks weird on a black oh, finish. I think it looks amazing. Okay, he looks. He thinks it looks amazing. So the fifty nine is is pretty rough. It's beat up around the edges. Um, the sixty, which is the second one that he got, um, is uh, is much much cleaner, but is at a headstock break that was fixed a long time ago but fortunately they didn't go over the finish so mm. i'm sure that these things have been black lighted and and everything else under the sun and and most of the experts probably all of the experts that he showed them to agree that it is indeed a factory finish and maybe a special order or or something like that but you know the records from that era are a little sketchy or non-existent in many cases so but anyhow, I just it, it was a reminder to me to keep an open mind about things, yeah. uh, especially on vintage guitars, and not immediately say, ah, "That's a refin; it's not worth anything." Mm -hmm. There you I'm have sure it. Sure, those are probably maybe the most expensive ones now. They may very well be. They may very well be. So, Tony, can you tell us what a '59 double cut junior well, I goes mean, for? I mean, the TV yellow ones right now. I mean that the majority of of those are TV yellow. Yeah. Uh gosh, I haven't looked in a while, but I'm going to say they're probably in the 10 to 25 range. Wow. Outstanding. And just in case we've got new listeners who don't know what this is and we don't have to go on and on about it, could you just explain what TV yellow is? So TV yellow is um is a shade that uh, that Gibson developed so that the guitar would really pop on black and white television shows. And not blow out. And not blow out. For So, for instance, if you had, back in the early days of television, if you had a white guitar, it would just literally 
blast through. I yeah. mean, it was, it was, it, you couldn't see anything around it. Yeah. It's just, it would just reflect out the light. Uh, the TV yellow was kind of a, I guess you would call it a limed mahogany finish at the time. So it was, it was a yellowish finish, but it didn't reflect quite as much as white. So on TV, it looked, it looked actually white. Yeah. But not blown out. But not blown out. Yeah. So that's why they call it TV yellow, everybody. In case you didn't know. There you have it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Jared, how about yourself? Um, nah, I didn't do nothing. I'm just kidding. No, I went to uh, the first guitar show I went to um, since uh, last year. Oh, this wow. is a really kind of big, informative, like lots of awesome stuff we're talking about episode, by the way. I, I know, knowing how this is going to go, is, this is, is going to be good. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, the Indiana Guitar Show, um, this fellow was hell-bent on having it, and he actually did a really good job. He made it a, a three-day event when it was, well, actually a two-day public, but he made a three three-day dealer event. Uh, and extra, the the Friday night was when dealers can go in and just kind of deal amongst each other, which is a lot. I mean, that always happens. There is a lot of dealing going on uh, between dealers uh, throughout the whole show. Nice. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, this this fella who runs that show, he does a really good job advertising, and uh, he puts on a very very good show. He's really. He's really strict about how it's run. He's got a nice staff. I mean, he he really puts his heart all and soul like in it. COVID safe and all that stuff. Very co- uh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indiana pretty uh, much to Indiana, the degree that he could within Indiana. Exactly. He he I uh I think he's he's I don't even know what he is, but I I don't want to say anything that's not true, but he did say because it's this, the the uh, governor said that masks were optional. So in Indiana, in Indiana, yeah. so in that big huge building, people were allowed to not it wear their masks. Big building, very huge. It's and a fairground. I, I chose to wear mine just to be safe about it. I did have my first fax, um, and about to have my second within days. But anyway, I just wore it just. Yeah, just courtesy. It, just, it, just courtesy. Uh, some people did. I would say twenty percent of the people didn't. But uh, I didn't feel. I mean, they didn't come up and tell me a secret in my ear, so I was pretty safe. <laughs> well, so, because especially because that's the worst place that you can get COVID is in your ear. Well, especially if they're <laughs> telling you a secret, they're real close. <laughs> or we're kissing on the cheek or whatever. Yeah. None of that going on. All right. So anyway, the show was really great. There's plenty of people. I actually surprisingly did very, very well uh, out there. So I, I was happy I went. And um, I felt safe. I felt good. And, and uh, What did you yeah, do at the was, show? It was Jared? a really good program. What's that? <laughs> what did you do at the show? Oh, the one thing. <laughs> the yeah, one thing. <laughs> yeah, so there was a fella named... Uh, Chris Lester, and he's bought stuff for me before. Super, super nice guy. Um, and uh, he had a, a, a real Klon Centaur uh, overdrive Ooh. pedal sitting on his table. I'm Which like, kind? Uh, 
It's the silver non-horsey, the afford more affordable one. So I said, oh, cool. And he had a price on it. And I'm like, huh? So it festered in my brain for a while. And I I went to deal. He's like, well, you know, that's just the price. But yeah, I'll probably deal on it. You know, I'll take a good offer. And we, when it came time for me to actually buy the thing from him, the the pedal, he just, he couldn't come off that price. He really didn't want to sell the pedal. I think he brought it just to be cool and just to show people that he has one, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Uh, people appreciate seeing one live in person, sure. so I don't fault him for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad he did because it's mine now. I actually got, I bought it from So him. you bought it. So, yeah, I, I now own an original Klon. That's awesome. Uh, non-horsey silver. And uh, can you believe it? I have not plugged it in yet. What? I was no, I haven't. I was, that was told a to, couple of days ago. I know. I just haven't. I've been trying to catch up with work and catch up with orders. I just I don't feel right playing around unless you know I'm caught up with work. But caught up with orders, it's not fair to my customers. No, uh, that's not really why. I uh, <laughs> he couldn't find a nine volt battery. <laughs> right, you got to have a battery for it. Um, it, a lot of people say well, I got to go to the store. I got to go to the store. You got to buy the thing, and you you want to get a good quality one. No, blah, blah, blah. you don't. You want one of the old non alkaline batteries if you can find them. The old Rayovax. Okay. Really? Yes. Why? They sound better. Okay. Oh, there's some mythical magic going on. So, like an old uh, electro harmonics battery with mic on it. It yeah, was probably that, made in the yeah. in the '90s or the early 2000s, right? So, why wouldn't you just buy a battery that's to those specs? Um. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, so nine volt battery. So you got a horsey. <laughs> uh, not. I mean, a non horsey. You got a non horsey. Yeah. But that all that stuff super matters, right? Yeah, it does. It's is it gooped in the back? Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're all gooped. It's gooped. You cannot steal the. And you got it verified and all that business. Yeah, uh, Jesse Amoroso and uh, Andy Harrison. They both gave me the uh, the uh, the nod. So (laughs) I guess that'll do it. Well, right on, man. That's very cool. Yeah, you got a clon, and the best thing about that is. We get to play it. Wee! <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. excited about that. That's a great oh, investment, yeah. and you did get a pretty killer price on that. Very super killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, the prices stay high on those, because then it won't be. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> uh, so, What about you, old, old pal? Thank you. Hey, you're stepping on my toes. I'm ah. very excited about this one. Uh, so I had my big dumb birthday thing and uh i decided you know what i wanted to do on my birthday legitimately i said after the other stuff that's going on in my house i'm like i just want to go have lunch with tony and jared that's all they wanted to do uh so we met up for lunch and um had some had some good times i brought those guys a couple things to to check out and you got, got in the you mail got, what did you what kind of magazines did you get i oh, got yeah. i got a, a couple magazines that were made in uh my birth year in fact one on my birth date which yes. is really cool 
And uh, so Tony decided, he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go take the stuff over back to the car. And I was sitting there talking to Jared. And next thing I turned around and there's a guitar case. And I was like, That's right. I just about lost my lunch. I was just like really, really surprised and very, very excited, not knowing what was inside. And so I started to unzip the case and I looked down and I, I hopefully what I, I'm pretty sure my face registered. <laughs> like I, my jaw dropped and my eyes turned into saucers. You said the F word. Did I? I'm probably, I probably did. And you were surprised and happy. I was surprised and happy. And I looked down and I saw red and I saw white and I saw blue mm-hmm. stripes, which can only mean the Union Jack. Well, and, uh, <laughs> yes. Now I immediately was like, my brain said, Epiphone, Sheraton, Noel Gallagher. Yeah. You know, the whole nine yards. Yes. And, uh, uh, which you know that's that's actually a relatively rare guitar there's not a ton of them out there no no they're they're i mean they actually made a rerun of not the, the not the signature models but they a year or two ago they maybe three years they put out a a union jack yeah again but. yeah but not the yeah so anyways um and drew has one of those drew foppy yep and uh, we're actually at the show that he got it signed by Noel. Yes. Which is super cool. Whatever, Drew. I'll sign yours. Yeah. So anyways, I immediately was like, what? And they're like, now, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> we likes you. We don't like you, you that, that much. much. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I did not, honestly, I didn't even care. I didn't care if it had been run over by a truck. I was just thrilled to death that my buddies got me this guitar on my birthday. That is, yeah, I, I love the, uh, the, you know, the provenance of that whole idea idea and everything yeah so tony yes tell them so the 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 story behind it's got a good story it does have a good story so this uh this was a uh, a chipson as we like to call them uh chinese made and um it was um supposed to be a different model uh and then it got lost for like three or four months (laughs) <laughs> and then suddenly it just showed up at, at the you at ordered the you ordered a completely different a completely kind of, different model like, but let's with say it was jack. like a, a just a totally different style model a altogether style semi hollow yes. guitar an ice man no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, do, I do like an ice man yeah, i mean but um so this thing just out of the blue shows up and of course it's the wrong guitar right and um but I, you know, sit, sat there and I said, well, who would appreciate uh, like a 335 style guitar that has a Union Jack on it? And Where the uh, Bigsby? With, well, this one has sort of a Bigsby. <laughs> it's, a, it's an upside down. It's an upside down Bigsby. <laughs> it's, it's like a left-handed Bigsby. <laughs> it, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> but anyhow, but uh, we, uh, you know, uh, I, I gave Jared a call and I said, Jared, uh what would you think about if we try to take this thing and, and improve it a lot? Because the pickups that were in it were just nasty and had a wrong pick guard, and yeah, there were just a lot of things wrong with it. Um, so what uh, uh, what we came up with is Jared put in some of his PAF-style pickups in the guitar, which were a vast improvement. I think Zach wired up the guitar using 
you know, nice pots and a switch and and all that stuff. And then, supplied by you, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we use the wiring. A really and, nice switch. I mean, I know it's like weird to say like that switch is really nice. Legitimately, it is a highly mechanical. Like it, it, it. it I had to make it work. Make it work. Zach's wiring is impeccable too. He's really good at those. Uh, Holly bottle body style guitar, those so. and if anyone has ever tried to rewire a hollow body it's, it's not easy it's guys, not mate. easy there are which some led tricks. us to the discussion that we had before yes <laughs> we won't we won't go yeah. over that again right. but uh and then i made a special uh, kind of a, a an epiphone shaped pick guard out of like a uh, what is it? A frosted, it's, yeah, frosted, it's frosted material, on, frosted on one side, so you could still see all of the the yeah. Union Jack design. Yeah. So anyhow, it's it's uh, it's it's it turned out much nicer than it should have. Um, but we won't. Oh, I legitimately crapped my pants when I saw it. <laughs> like I couldn't. It was just. I was just so, so thrilled, and I love it. I absolutely love it, and it looks beautiful. Yes. Sitting, you know, I don't care where it's from. I don't care how messed up it is or nothing. It's, yeah. It's super fun, and I absolutely love it. Well, good. Well, yeah. we, were, we were happy it was something we wanted to do because it was a special. Yeah. I'm just glad that you didn't birthday. throw it away. No, well, I would it, never throw that away. <laughs> you, uh, you, you work pretty darn hard, and Tony and I just get on here and – yak away but you do use you know you you work real hard and i i i really uh enjoyed helping out with that project too and yeah thought it was pretty special for uh what a 30th birthday party yeah, yeah something 30, like that 35th or 30 32 <laughs> no it's 34th <laughs> right anyways um so yes that was awesome thank you both i will uh, absolutely cherish that forever i love good. that guitar good we, we were happy to do it uh, let's see here. Oh, doggies, we got some good times coming up. Yeah, with the Pickup right. 101. Jared, do you have a jingle for this? Pickup 101, yeah. <laughs> think of the same guy as doing all these jingles. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. They're, starting, <laughs> they're sounding vaguely familiar. Uh, or, yes. or one more. Pickup 101. Which I don't know which one I like less. <laughs> one Anyways, more, one more, Jared. Pick up one oh one. That's the one. <laughs> All right. Third so charm. we have we've got a now we've got a spreadsheet. We made a special spreadsheet out of this. And we have a whole bunch of questions, and we are going to uh, do our best to uh, answer them all for you. You guys sent in some really nice, very thoughtful, uh, inquisitive uh, pieces of questionary-ness. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so let's so do it. Should, With- the, should the first question be, which is a better pickup, a Ford or a Chevy? Oh, boy. Jared? I like them both. Terrible. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, we've got some some repeat folks in here. Some people sent in quite a few questions. and Uncle um, Gary did. Yeah, boy, Gary, you really came in hitting hard here. Yeah. So our man, uh, our man James Pegler did too. That's true. That's true. Um, should we bounce around and should we go by category? Um, that's up to you, Todd. I'm I'm ready to answer. Feel like category, so it doesn't feel like we're retreading things. Okay, okay. We're gonna start first. Did (laughs) did you just see it change? Yes, I did. It works. I'll refresh it. There we go. All right. 
We're going to go in Features. opposite order. We're going to okay. go by wines. Let's start Let's there. So we're, we've got a couple on wines. Question number one. Why do more or less... This is from uh, our pal, Gear Ant. Gear Ant. Um, why do more or less wines determine the sound of the pickup? At what point is too many wines overkill? Mm. That's an awesome question. And... There are three major things about a pickup that determine its sound. And one of the most common misperceptions is just windings determine the sound. When do less or more? It all depends on the shape of the pickup and the strength of the magnet. For example, if you have all Nico 2, all Nico 2 are generally weaker magnets. Um, if you have t- way too many wines on that, you're going to get a dark, mushy sound with no, with hardly any brights. It'll, it's going to be kind of like you have the volume rolled back all the way and there's no brights and no, mm. it, it's all kind of a, an EQ system. Mm-hmm. So back to the three main parts of the pickup, the way the pickup shaped, the single coil is a lot brighter than a humbucker because it's, th- it's skinnier. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the magnetic strength, uh, which powers the, the flux field uh, that the strings interrupt. And then you have the, the windings. And those, those, string, those three are the, it's like a three-band EQ. So, mm. And I'll probably come back to that a few times with many of sure. these questions. So, so yeah, if it depends on the strength of the magnet. Um, so aside from the strength of the magnet, generally yeah. speaking, the more winds, the darker and let, uh, you, you begin to lose clarity. Yeah. You begin to lose clarity if you don't have enough magnetism to match that output. Okay. The the output resistance and and that's when you have way, you know, that's when you have several several wines mm-hmm. is one that raises. Several so, several wines? Very but yeah. Very I mean, several? Don't make me say three severals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that three severals would be a Gibson Ebo. I mean, that thing those those read 36k. What? If you Yes, a lot of people get these Ebo pickups and they want to read it with a with a uh, a meter and they don't realize they have to turn it to 200k instead of 20k or else mm. it'll just show up dead so when you put it on 200k on your meter and you read that ebo it's like 36k it's a lot of windings that's a lot wow. of math yes it is and, uh, and they're they, mud buckers by the way yeah. and they have um, massive magnets right uh no no they they have two bar magnets on each well the early ones had uh a regular humbucker, and, but they were turned up like a blade on each side of the pickup. Okay, and then the later ones in the seventies, when when uh, Bill Lawrence uh, was in charge there, he said, "Ah, let's put ceramic in," and uh, which was probably the right thing to do. Mm. But they, in another funny thing, is they actually moved it down to the um, the right in the middle of the the. Uh, pickup area instead of the neck or the bridge they just moved that mud bucker right in the center hmm. so, okay here we go down the rabbit holes yes, already. Sir. So i love it I'm gonna, baby. I'm gonna pull you back uh so yep. does that mean that the the fewer wines your guitar is going to be sound better this is a setup brighter brighter 
And it depends how much magnetism you have. So if like a Charlie Christian pickup, that's three point that's three K maybe. But you have a um but back then uh the uh, Nico magnets were still kind of uh in development or you know, they were still trying to improve uh that the alloys or whatnot. So and that's just as a different working pickup but it it went into an acoustic guitar so uh, an active pick and we'll get into active Holy and moly. it'll make more sense yeah we need so. to put some put one of them electronic fences up <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay here we go wines question number two. Oh, by the way Girant happens to be our friend elad mezrahi and i'm sure i butchered that this one's from john williams from grizzly bay my man, uh, not the not the town, but the on Instagram. Look up Grizzly Bay. He makes all kinds of really cool stuff. All right, he says, uh, "Yo, Jared, I just ordered a set of fresh black covered dog ear P90s fresh for ones. you, my for my little casino project. Stoked." In doing a little research, I find that some people like to have the neck pickup reverse wound, giving it a bit of a humbucking effect when both pickups are on. Is there a disadvantage to this? No, there is not. Um, There is an advantage, but the only advantage you're going to hear will be when the toggle switch is in the middle position. Hmm. When the, and this is, think of a Strat, Todd's favorite guitar, um, (laughs) that has a five-way switch. When you have the middle and bridge or middle and neck together, uh, and the middle is reverse wound at a reverse polarity as the other two, that's how a humbucker is, you know, that's how a humbucker works. So you have that same kind of circuit going on with, with the uh, with the magnetic pole, one being south, one being north, and uh, it creates uh, a buck for the hum. It creates a uh, a noiseless thing. It gets rid of the single cycle hum. So there's no disadvantage at all. There's when you have it selected to the neck pickup only, and it's reverse round, reverse polarity. You will not hear a tone difference than if it were the other way around if it were forward and you know, whatever. So there's you, there's absolutely no tone difference. It's the advantage of being noiseless in the middle. That's it. Okay. And again, you, you, you will have purists that, you know, say, well, in the fifties, Gibson didn't do reverse wine, reverse polarity. So we want it to sound just like that. So exactly. But I, I, I agree with Jared. I think the advantages are, are there. And, you know, if, if there's you no disadvantage, if you don't spend a lot of time in the middle position or if you do and want hum canceling, it's a, it's a great option. Oh, I guess right. I know to make that. I guess I know to make it reverse then. <laughs> 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 All right. This next one is also from John Williams. Yeah. Uh, this is regarding upgrades. Are there any upgrades in other in the other electronics you would suggest? So this is the wiring harness, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you would suggest to get the most from your P90s as I plan to replace them. Particularly pot or cap values, brands, models, etc. Tony Baloney yeah. is uh, just as versed as this as I am, so I'll I'll take a quick break and let Tony answer Take a this break, one. Jared. So, I mean, traditionally, um, 500K pots are what 
Gibson used with P90s. Um, the value of the cap can vary. I typically use cap being the capacitor uh, <laughs> for the tone control. Yep. And uh, I typically use 0. 0.022 uh, for the value um, of the I, cap of the of the cap. And that to me works best with almost every pickup that, that I that I use it with. So almost almost every install is I, I use that. If you find for some reason that the P90s might be too bright, um, which is not likely, but if you do, uh, you can change the value down to 250K instead of 500K. On the pot. On the pot, sorry. And then... That's what I'm here for. And then oppositely, uh, oppositely, opposingly, uh, if you find that they're too dark... You can go up to a one meg pot, sure, but I don't like. I don't. I, I don't recommend that. That's really pushing it, Tony. Yeah, there's pots in between too. There's 300k the, pots, yep, and yep, you can find all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah, but I think the safe, the safe values for a P90 would be 500k pots. And either a point oh twenty two or no. Now, now, what can you can you guys kind of share? Like those are just numbers to many people. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I totally understand all of this. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand it, uh, what is a five hundred pot giving you that a two hundred fifty k won't? Um, it or it, vice versa. It it gives you more high end and more high mids. Five hundred gives you more dynamic range. More high end, more high and, end, and high mids. Like you said, not like I said. So Fender traditionally used 250k pots on their single coil pickups. Gibson traditionally used 500k pots on their humbucker models and to get more high end, so it didn't sound muddy. So it, it was less muddy. Yes, right. They used a 250k on their uh, juniors for the tone pot as mm. well in the 50s. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Oh yes. So that could be aside from actually like the volume pot for your pick for your pickup. You could you can mix them. Yeah, yeah I mean I've could, done that could, before. Uh, so that'd be an interesting path to go down to to say what is it what is a different t- uh, value on your tone control do for you? Yeah, I mean that would be worth experimenting with. Yeah. For someone else, that sounds like a lot of work for me. <laughs> uh, righty. We are moving on. Great questions so far. This one, as uh, as are many, we got some fantastic questions from Gary Lesh. Yep. Uh, this is regarding types. Uh, tips. Please share tips on how to choose the right pickup to complement a particular guitar's construction. That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. So oh, let's yeah. talk I mean, about what a construction would be. So maybe a solid body versus a hollow body or a semi-hollow body. Mm-hmm. Or a through neck. Or a chambered. Mm-hmm. Well, but then or a com- banjo. But then it comes down to type sure. of wood, too. Well, let's not go down that. Well, but no, that's important. Okay. I mean, let's let's, let's go down that. Because on a solid body, a mahogany body is going to sound much different than ash or alder. Yeah. Aren't you glad you took my suggestion of going down this path? I like your path. I know. Well, people got to know. Okay. So, So, I mean, I guess what it boils down to, I mean, and I've run into this before where on, on some of my builds where I find that a guitar is brighter than I want it to be, or maybe it's darker than I want it to be. So it requires changing out some of the components, components, brighter versus darker, like in a nutshell. Yeah. 
brighter in a, versus darker in a nutshell. I mean, yeah. so I mean, if 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 the wood, uh, something like ash, alder can be bright. Mahogany tends to be darker. Bright being is is bright trebly. more trebly, trebly. Tony. Yes, trebly. Okay, and darker would be a little bit muddier, muddier, basier. Okay, um, and and so you know it, it really depends on on the sound that you're going for. But a good rule of thumb is if you want if your if your guitar, say you have a set of pickups in it currently, say it's, it's you have humbuckers in it, you do have an option. Um, if it's suddenly too dark, you could switch it over to a humbucker sized P90 mm-hmm. and just drop it right in. Um, and, and likewise, there's some adapter plates and things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it, it almost is it boils down to what your ear is hearing. Um, and I mean, a good starting point is look at what the factories put in into the guitars right. to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then if, if you find that that formula doesn't work for you, look at, you know, what other replacement options there might be. Let me, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, can I, can I ask a question compounding sure. this uh, problem at the, yes, at the moment? Make it, make it harder. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you have, so we were just talking about the juniors. The juniors have dog ears, mm-hmm. and we talked about dog ears. And just really quickly, just a dog ear. Jared, what's a dog ear? A dog ear is when you have the tabs that you run the larger screws through on the end. So they're There's not sunken. The pickup right, isn't sunken mounting. in the body. It's top mount, mounted on the top. Yeah, they're for mounting. They're they're mounting tabs. Okay, it's a different mu- ways to mount the pickup. Usually, those are in either juniors or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, or coronets. I believe that's yeah, a dog ear on the coronet. Yep. Yeah, yeah, or hollow body guitars. Yep. Yeah, sometimes they're yes. surface mounting guitar uh, yeah. pickups. So. I mean, so there's yeah, it's it's still a P90. And yeah, it has the same characteristics. It's just the mounting. Does difference. it? Do, do you think it has any effect uh, without like a deep route? A deep hole in the body. No, the pickup won't have a, a different effect, but the body structure will. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I mean, okay. you, I mean, you can go either way. I mean, some people route out extra space underneath a P ninety swimming pool route. Some people do that too. Yeah, I mean, so you can put whatever kind of pickups and maybe yeah. your stash Whee! of money or whatever might, <laughs> yeah, might happen there money <laughs> uh all right that's a great question gary we're gonna move on to another one by gary this is also for types i heard filtertron p- pickups were gretch's take on a humbucker type design how does it work and how does it differ from humbuckers are they not wired in... Now, this is a question I'm asking Tony. Yeah. So, this well, is crazy. My, my, I heard they are wired in parallel instead of series. And that was my original uh, understanding. However, I find that not to be the case. Now, mm. um, especially on newer pickups, on newer Filtertrons. So, to answer that question, yes, the Filtertron actually was developed before the Gibson PAF. Beautiful. Um, weren't, I Ray think Butts, they were racing to get it done, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, they were, They were. you know, because it was the same end game. 
Chet Atkins won at something that was less noisy. Yeah. It looks like a neck and neck finish between the two <laughs> biggest pickup builders. Let's say who will find out first which pickups to go with. I believe I touched on it on the first episode I was on, but anyway. So um, the, I think the major difference, and, and Jared, you can chime in too, between a, a Filtertron and a, and a Gibson Humbucker is the Filtertrons tend to be very uh, much lower output or yes. at least lower resistance. Yeah. And the Gibsons tend to be maybe twice as much, sometimes more than twice as, as much in terms of, of resistance. Yeah, you just switched up output and resistance. Elaborate, so, oh, Swami Tony. So as Jared was saying earlier, the wind of the pickup, the wire around it, how much yes. you use, determines the resistance. Yep. The higher the resistance... And with a higher and properly matched magnet system, it's a higher output. That's so, correct. So one of, one of the things that people mistakenly do when it comes to pickups is they measure it. And they said, oh, that's 13.5. This is going to be a loud pickup. Well, that's not always the case. Or they measure when it's 4.6. Oh, this thing is, is, is not going to sound good at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a, it is a balancing act as as Jared said and you have yes, you know is. you've got the magnets you got the wind of the coil and you know then it's the construction and shape. So another another different uh, another different thing I'm not going to try to say that uh, is that the the filtertron is kind of in between the size of a mini humbucker and a humbucker. So it's it's right in between. So it's gonna and it's a lot lower output. So it's not gonna be near as thick and juicy sounding as a standard humbucker. Yeah, they do. Um, they do tend to be brighter. And they're they're much brighter, but they're really they're really great pickups. I mean, yeah. what's not to like about filter drones? And there are some companies uh, that actually make a filter a, a humbucker sized filtertron that. You know, again, if you want to try switching some things out, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good option to try. Have the Filtertron look, but in a humbucker size, it'll sound like a humbucker. Now, can I, I'm going to build on that just a touch. Quick difference between a Filtertron and, because that's the Gretsch brand, mm-hmm. and a TV Jones? Mm, none. No difference. None, TV Jones none basically. Difference. None more. Yeah, different. TV Jones uh, <laughs> redoes them and, and what. Tony probably knows more than me. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So TV Jones, uh, Tom Jones, um, was originally, I mean, his, his whole company was based on building a better Filtertron. And in fact, Gretsch used his pickups on a lot of their upper end models. Uh, they also, I think, contracted with him to help redevelop the Dynasonic, which was the... Um, the pickup that was a single coil pickup that was used uh, in the in the fifties before they developed the Filtertron. Mm. So, I mean, Tom knows Gretsch stuff inside, out, sideways, backwards, forwards, and he makes a good, really, really good pickup. And um, I would say, in compared to modern pickups, modern Gretsch pickups, he's probably got better sounding pickups than mm. than what Gretsch is able to produce. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary's got another one uh, for tone. Mm. What's the tonal dif- What tonal differences does phase reversing 
various pickups positions have from standard in-phase wiring. I know that sounded really weird. What's the difference between in-phase and out-of-phase? How's that? That's a better way to put That's it. a better way to put it. Uh, in phase, in phase, you have more of a similar tone to the bridge in the neck, and it's like a, it's like the perfect marriage. And you, you, you know, they're, I don't know. And then out of phase is, for a good example, is uh, uh, green is, uh, you know, the greeny guitar. Yeah, Peter uh, Green. I'm, Peter Green. Peter Green. Right. So. The legend is some guy tried to fix Peter Green's neck pickup and he he wound it backwards. And uh, so that made the middle position out of phase and it sounds honky. And uh, that's kind of one of the best words to to describe it. It sounds like you're covering your nose and you're talking funny like, Hey, sounds like I'm going to be hot. You know, that's, that's what out of phase sounds like. Video killed the radio star. Yeah, that's right. This is in phase. (laughs) This is on a phase. (laughs) That's probably the best example I can of an audio example I could I could give you. So it it doesn't to some people they could they can do a lot of uh, a lot with that musically and it makes them happy. Like Peter Green made it famous, and then you have other people that are you know oh I hate that sound uh, I don't want to use it. Yeah, yeah, I usually discover that when I'm wiring up a Telecaster or something and I accidentally flip the leads. Yeah. It sounds yep. out. It sounds yeah, out to fix that, you you can isolate the ground on a single coil pickup and then you can just switch the uh switch the the leads there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I heard you on my wireless back in 52. <laughs> <laughs> Lying awake intent and tuning it on you. The show's long enough, man. Let's go. <laughs> okay that's a great song damn i remember the first time i started that heard that watched that Ugh, yeah it was a, a watch it wasn't that a was heard a, it was a video yeah it was yeah. on mtv dang it that's it's killing the, the first radio ones star. i know Back when mtv was mtv at least that's what i heard because i'm not that old no yeah you're still in diapers oh man great. people tell me all about those days <laughs> all right let's hear one from hello sailor effects hello, sailor oh hello. right he's our buddy uh, this is on tone. In order of percentage, what is the most important part of the pickup to get right for the end tone? This is easy. 33%. Were you happy it was st- easy? You're like, I got this one. Uh, Thir- yeah. 33% <laughs> is, the sh- is shape. 33% is the output. And 33% is the magnetism. Oh, man. That's a cop So out. by output, you were referring to resistance. Now, you can... You can kind of interchange a few percents here and there between all those three, but you have to have all three right. They must all be correct or else, you know, it's not going to If you right. get one more right, which would that be most important to get right? Um, I would say... Output? Nah, I mean, your shape. You, you can change a lot with by by winding or underwinding or overwinding. I, I would say magnetism because but you're, yeah, if you change the type of magnets, yeah, okay. you you only More have so, so much to ones? work with. Yeah, it's so. okay. The the magnet. Well, actually, the shape because you cannot change a shape. Then you may as well just get a new pickup. But magnetism, you could if it's not magnetized all the way, you could charge it. Or you could degauss it, which is take away some of the power. Oh, there's a question about that later. That's right. Let's All move right, on. Let's move That's on. That's a good question. Though. That was. Thank awesome. you. 
Uh, let's see. This one's from our pal Steve Keys, and it's also on tone. How does a pickup builder determine how to EQ a pickup, i.e. less muddy bass frequencies, chimier highs? Thank you. We kind of talked about that a little yeah, bit. I think yeah, so. that's the the three EQ okay. rule. Yep. Well, Steve, there you go. That was, listen to the first part of the... <laughs> Shape windings and rewind about ten minutes, and we got that covered. We love you though, buddy. Magnets, resistance, and shape. Magnets, resistance, and shape. I told you I'd be mentioning that a lot. All right. Well, this one is uh, again from our friend Gary Lesh. This is on tech specs. When is potted versus unpotted better, and vice versa? Zachary really wanted to go into this and, and and I'm sorry he's not here but he oh he debates us a lot with people and so we're kind of on the same page with this can you um, can you give a history of 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 potting you know what I, honestly i i think i think i would say fender would be the first people to do this. I think you're right. Fender used black wax back in the 50s. And then in the 60s and 70s, when they didn't have enough wax in the shop, they would just use old leftover lacquer. So yep. what is potting? Uh, potting is when you heat up wax in a pot uh, that's hot. <laughs> and uh, it, it should be around 150 degrees. And then it's melted. It's like a liquid form. And then you dip the whole pickup. Uh, in a basket, you don't want the pickup to touch any of the hot surface or the your actual, fingers. That, that's correct. Uh, and you let it sit in there for about 10 minutes. And what happens is the pickup heats up to, you know, the same temperature and, and it accepts the hot wax and the wax penetrates the windings and keeps everything nice and super tight. When you pull it out and I accept <laughs> the wax and that's no right, man, no more than it, 150 it, degrees, baby. It, it helps it, prevent microphonics. So. Microphonics, and that's the big thing here. Okay, when you when you wax a when you pot a pickup, you lose all that really cool extra uh, microphonic uh, detail of the pickup. And one of the most microphonic pickups out there that I know of is a mini humbucker. And uh, if you grab an old uh gibson from the 70s with many humbuckers and they are not put some overdrive on that thing and you'll figure out what happens real quick those things really whistle they can but the cool thing about it is if if you can tame that and use those that microphonic sound to your advantage that is a you know obviously an advantage if you can control all that and you uh integrate all that extra going on with your sound but when you pot a pickup the advantage of that is uh say you you know you got a les paul and it's got a hot bridge pickup and you have a cover on it's not potted you know you'll be at a show and you turn around or something and you face the wrong direction and you've got you got whistling and everybody's covering their ears and then they all go out they leave yeah which is different than cool feedback right right so there's advantages and disadvantages and usually the guys who enjoy the the slight microphonic tone are the guys who do not use a lot of distortion or overdrive or anything like that 
Yeah. Okay. I think so that's fair. It's a lot of people, and there, there's a lot of respectable people out there that argue if potting changes the tone or not, the mm-hmm. actual tone. And I think, I think it has more to do with the microphonic part of that, which has a lot to do with, you know, your tone and overall sound. So is it safe um, to say that it also maybe helps prevent uh, corrosion? Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, for the most part, the corrosion, it, <laughs> it protects. Did, did both if of you, you answer? A, <laughs> well, I mean, if it's super, super old, I've seen potted pickups that have been potted Signed for 30 years. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. And, and, you know, as you pointed out to me, Jared, um, PAFs were not originally potted. No, they were not. They so were never when you potted. see pickups that are, uh, you've shown me quite a few, Jared, where it, it's literally oxidized, is green, it's, or, or like copper. It's like it's yeah. green. Yeah, the pickup is green and crusty on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No even bueno. even potting. Um, when I first started out, I made the mistake by uh, using it, and I was doing a few pickups at a time. I had a tin can and I would use soup cans and it was thin tin. So eventually that the can would rust inside of the, I would put it inside of a water. Uh, one of those water containers where you plug in and it heats up right away. Yeah. And, uh, yep. And, and it would, the tin can would uh, it'll get a little pinhole and then water would mix in the, with the wax while it was hot. No, Jared. That's correct. And then, you know, That's a, called a, a few, few years later, three or four years later, hey, man, my pickup's not working. I'm like, oh, no problem. I'll fix it. So I get it back. I'm like, oh, it's that stinking tin can crap that I had yeah. going on. But that was many years ago. Many. That was well over. Yes, I've seen your years potting ago. set up and it's it's actually really impressive. It's very was, professional. Yes. yes. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say that, but it's very impressive. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Top notch over at Jared's place. All right. We got another one here from Jason Rausch. Uh, tech specs. Um, is there any, oh, is there an optimal impedance value for a single pickup versus humbucker? A single coil versus humbucker? I, optimal. That, a that single depends. coil pickup. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough call. That's a very subjective question. I mean, you could, if you were, if everybody in the world were walking around and they all like this exact same tone, mm-hmm. then, you know, you could answer this. Okay. And it would be so, 100% so right or no. 100% wrong. Uh, so, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, they're just two different things. Okay. I, I think the one thing that you can, that I think everybody can agree with, and especially in the case of, of single coils, is it's probably better, like in the case of a strat, to have a higher output bridge pickup in the bridge, a yeah. medium in the neck. Yeah. And then uh, a lower or, or underwound pickup in the yeah. in the in the neck position. You have larger oscillation towards the neck of the guitar because that's where the the more of the center of the string is in. Mm-hmm. So you, there's more oscillation, more boomy, uh, less output on that neck will balance the less oscillation where the bridge is. Right. So case in point, if you've got a humbucker guitar and you happen to buy two humbuckers and there you didn't know if they were you know. Uh, for bridge or neck, mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe you have, well, 
This, that's a bad example. I'm going to retract that. I'm going to well, retract no, that. I think, I think what you're, what you're trying to get Sometimes if you flip your at, neck pick up and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? It's just super boomy. And and there are some people that, you know, Peter Green was another one that had the, the neck pickup. Normally you put the uh, pull piece uh, either towards the bridge or towards the neck. Yeah. In his case, his pickup was flipped upside down so that the pull pieces were, there was a, a blank coil, uh, Next to the to the neck. Well, and to be clear, he didn't flip it upside down. It's just a hundred and eighty degree different turn. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I I have a theory that they did that because it was out of phase, and they thought by flipping the whole pickup it would change, and it yeah. did not. It will not because the circuitry is the same. Yeah. Then then if they would have flipped the neck, then it would be in phase. But you could reduce some of the, the boom. The neck. I'm sorry. The magnet by by twisting the pickup hundred and eighty degrees. Yeah. In and a, and truth be told, um, you know, whether it's a Gibson or a Fender or whatever, they always put the same value or as close value pickups as they as they had. Uh, so they didn't calibrate pickups by position. I think one of the real advantages with build, you know, winders like Jared and others is you can order. Yeah, he did that with them with mine. Yeah. So it makes sense to put maybe an underwound pickup in the neck and an overwound pickup that's in the bridge. A, that's exactly what I asked for because I hate flipping up and I don't use rhythm too or the uh, uh, neck pickup too often. But when I do, um, I just I'm just like, geez, Louise, it's just so big and boomy on some guitars, not yeah. all. But and when when Tony was referring to Gibson, he was speaking of years and years and years ago. They. <laughs> They do. They do now. Uh, they do. Yeah, they have a they have a pretty good pickup. Are you potting pickups over there, Jared? Uh, or are you just falling no. off your stool. <laughs> I am adjusting my back. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. This one's from Tim Nowak from Bardic Audio. My man. Tech specs. What part of the pickup construction makes certain pickups better for guitars and others for bass? Is there a difference at all? <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, obviously, number of pull pieces. Yeah. Uh, Although, it depends on the I, spread. I, I will say, uh, in in the world of Rickenbackers, that the when they would put toaster pickups in like the 4001s that, or 4003s later, uh, that they used a guitar pickup that had six pull pieces in it. Mm. They didn't make a special base four pull piece toaster pickup. Yeah, the same thing with twelve strings and Gibsons. They just, you know, they just use regular PAF or regular humbuckers with six poles for the twelve strings in the in the EDS three thirty five or yeah. EDS. Yeah, EDS. Uh, I forgot twelve set twelve seventy five twelve seventy five. Oh geez, but yeah, how could I forget that? So the question. I mean, I guess the question is. I mean, I think. Pickup builders do tend to voice pickups for bass guitars differently than they do for uh, electric guitars. Yeah, and shape is is the most different uh, component. It, the shape is the most different thing because you have to you know uh, account for the the wider bass string spread bass string spread and uh, in some cases though you could use a regular pickup. Uh, and the six flux string of that up. string too, right? Oh yeah, there's a, lot, right, the, there's a lot more the oscillation. oscillation. Yeah, yeah. It's much so I think bigger. like an Ernie Ball Stingray, like those big giant honking mm -hmm. magnets in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
and that's that's for tone and it's it's nice that it'll you know it it uh puts out a a larger flux field too because of those things are so huge yeah so, yeah okay. cool good question all right uh this is from gary lesh this is on switching. I'd like to hear you guys discuss various wiring options for phase reversing, split coils and tap coil, etc. Et this is more of a wiring harness question. I, I think that there are um, plenty of, of ways to alter the sounds. Oh, yeah. Via coil tapping or splitting um, and phase reversal. Oh, yeah. um, and it's it's relatively easy to do. Um, the easiest way is with some mini toggles. Uh, but if you don't want to have extra holes in the pick guard or the guitar, you can also use it with push-pull uh, potentiometers. And those are pots that have a, a little switch on the bottom that when you pull up on the knob, it engages one way and push down, it, go, it engages the other way. Um, you know, an, a really good early example of something that was kind of crazy was it was in the bill lawrence era in the 70s mm-hmm. i mean the l6s mm. that thing had a four-way switch and if you looked under the hood of that guitar it had a a uh, coil choke so a tone choke mm-hmm. it had uh several different capacitors and it was it just looked like a mouse nest under there so there was, uh, and I think the goal of that guitar, even though it was a humbucker, um, and they had ceramic magnets with very low wine, so they're around five to six k. But and so they were naturally bright pickups, but they went through so much circuitry that it kind of darkened the tone up. Mm-hmm. So you could switch; you can go really super bright, or you can go super dark, um, and that's. That's kind of a that's a really good example of uh, of what you can and that was you know seventies technology by Bill Lawrence. But there are plenty of uh, of options when it comes to especially humbuckers. Obviously, you can't really tap a single coil. I guess you could if you had a a mid tap or something like that. But generally speaking, you want to coil tapping a coil versus splitting a coil. Uh, essentially the same thing. It's, it's just thing. you're canceling out one of the coils of the pickups. One thing that I do that's interesting that I think is fair to mention for this question would be a six and two. It's what I call a six and two. So you wind a humbucker. One coil is 6K and the other coil is 2K. Uh, it's a very uneven, but it still sounds great when it's all in series. It still sounds like an 8K humbucker. But when you when you split it or when you you know tap it, mm-hmm. you cut out the two K and you have a strong single coil sound. There's not a huge vo- volume drop, and you still get a good clear loud sound. But it sounds like a six K single coil. Which is a problem pickup. if if you tap single coils. Sometimes you get a volume drop. Yes. I mean, exactly. when, you, when you tap a, a humbucker. For, a humbucker, for, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially. I'd- 7.5 and it goes down to a you know a 3.7k i mean that's half of what a, a strat reads so, so if that sounds interesting to you give jared a call and he'll make you a set yeah i think a, right. a really good example was that uh that pickup uh that you uh did for my um uh the dan armstrong the uh, plexi guitar if you remember we did uh, essentially the same kind of formula it's a single pickup guitar 
that has a three-way switch. So in the middle position, it's both coils on. In the one position, it's the neck coil. And in the other position, it's the bridge coil. And we wound the bridge coil hotter uh, so that it, it sounded better. Mm. Uh, or, you know, because the closer to the neck you get. It's a, single, it's a single pickup. Yeah, it's a single pickup guitar. So that that's a good option or is something that you, you might consider too, especially if you have a single pickup guitar that has a humbucker in it mm-hmm. that has the proper wiring. It's pretty neato. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, we got another one from the same chap. Uh, this is Switching. One of my most versatile guitars is a Jackson Charvel Model 6, with came, which came with Jackson Single Single Humbucker, or SSH, pickups. While we're talking about that, what is the right way to say that? Because I always call those HSS. I guess you're right. No, I, I've, I've heard it both ways. You know, it's, it's more correct HSS. HSS. I'm gonna let me re-say that so I don't. No, like no, an you're, you're fine. You read from fine. the bottom up or the up to the bottom. I mean, I've, I I have really? people ask ask it. Both I thought ways. I just said it wrong. No, but I mean, like if I if I see like a Fender ad, sometimes it'll say HSS. HSS. Strat. That that may yeah. be the way that they particularly Fender. But other people read it from yeah, as as Jared said, from the top down. Yeah, if well, the guitarist. I don't know. Down. That's interesting. That's a thing. It is. A thing. Uh, anyways, I replaced the neck pickup many years ago. How now, but now would like to try something different and replace all three. The switching is an on off toggle for each pickup. Mm. I, I can lend, which can lend itself to more switching options if I change to three position toggles. Yes. Without drilling any new, to- any new holes in the body and adding another switch that I may regret in the future. Right. That's his I option. think he uh, answered his own question. He answered his own question. Yes, that is a very good way to... Um, I mean, the only other option that he's missing is is a coil tap, which is something that he could put, again, on a push-pull pot. Oh, exactly. But it's it's similar. Or a little mini a micro switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's... And, there's good, and they're already there. But he's already got... Bass guitars. He's already got three yeah. micros on there, or mini switches. Have six. And he's a push-pull. Well, I mean, the, a good example there is... Remote control. Is the, is the Brian May model, <laughs> which has six slider switches. Yeah. Which actually they could do with just three, three ways. But what I would say is, you know, if he, if, if you want to change those to um, three three position switches so you would have off in the middle and then in phase in the down position and out of phase in the up position yeah any combinations of those would be you know you'd get a lot of different tonal varieties yeah, that's a that's that's too much tone for and me then, and then i would just add a I can't take that much tone either the volume or the tone control put a push pull on so you can uh split the the humbucker mm. i mean there's uh there's a, a fella named tarman kelling and he does the most radical, crazy harnesses I've ever seen. And this, they're, they're nuts. It's so he, he could, with this kind of guitar, this kind of setup, the sky is the limit. Seriously. You can do a lot of different stuff. So look up Tarman. So Gary, look up Tarman Kelling. Um, I, he is on eBay and uh, get a hold of him and, and uh, talk to him. He will hook you up, man. Excellent. All right. That's a question that I did not understand. Here we go. 
Uh, this one's from our pal Darren Gregory, longtime listener. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Darren, he has a question on setup. Okay, we got a lot of questions about this kind of stuff. Pickup height. Mm. Maybe the most popular subject, actually. What is the optimal height? Do different pickup styles have the same optimal height? Same height all the way across neck, middle, and bridge? So this is very concerned with pickup height and wants wants his questions answered. (laughs) That's right. So this, a lot of techs, I believe, uh, they start with the what the pickup manufacturer uh, or guitar manufacturer, uh, you know, suggests. But if you're putting in aftermarket stuff, um, I myself, I get away with not worrying about all that. And usually people that are changing out their pickups, uh, they either take it to a, uh, a luthier tech person that already knows how to do all that kind of thing. And they use their ears to do that once it's in a general spot. But um, the reason you want to do this, you want the optimal spot that um, because you have, you know, the magnetic flux that we talked about that is powered by the magnets. That's magnetic field. And it, it creates a field above the pickup and you want the strings to interrupt that field. And if the pickup's too high, um, it's going to sound, I don't know. I, to be honest, I've never put it so high that it's going to, you know, the string will rattle on the pickup. You don't want that. Well, it is a magnetic draw it'll st- too. Right? Yeah. And it'll, it'll stop if it's a really strong one, right? Right. It'll, Hell yeah, it'll it'll affect that. It it won't sound right. It'll just sound like whatever. And you, if it's too low, the magnetic flux flux field will be weak, and it'll sound quiet because it's not uh, close enough to the string. It's not. It's not close enough. So Uh, on that note, actually, there's some magnet questions. We'll talk. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. Um, I'm gonna make a note. I think one thing to consider is um, how strong the pickup is, because if you put a sure. strong pickup too close to the strings, it will actually choke the strings. Yeah, keep that's them, what we're keep talking them from about. Vibrating. So it's exact, yeah. So I mean, I think yeah, I think most people I don't know start if you've been with listening a, to the podcast, Tony. But uh, is there a podcast going on? <laughs> no, I think you know a good starting point. I think is about an eighth of an inch off the strings. Is that about right, Jared? I think so. Eight. And, and then Quarter. you know, and and I think it is smart to keep the bridge. So how hard you play too? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things that go into that. But do you have loose strings? Do you have like a wheelie wheelie wheelie, like barely picking on the string? Then, yeah. but I think if you go, you know, I think the bridge pickup should be higher or closer to the strings, and the neck pickup should because be there's down less lower. flux. Yeah, there's less movement. Yeah, less there, oscillation. Yeah, the less movement in the bridge, less and more oscillation in the neck. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great question, Darren Gregory. All right. Here's another one from GL. That's what we're just going to call him now. <laughs> uh, setup. What is the best way to adjust your pickup height so that the magnets are not pulling in your strings out of tune and still have hot pickup for over uh, for lead overdrive? I don't know. Start lower and work your work your way up until you find the optimal sound. And if... And if it's still pulling down your strings, and if, if you can actually prove that, um, and it just doesn't sound right, then you know yeah. you went too high. I and, mean, it's and, all and adjusting the pickup. Just so we're clear, uh, you do that usually, usually by the two screws on either side of the pickup, or three. Yep, or three. 
or three yes. or four in a yeah. wide range situation. Oh, yeah. Four. So. Yeah. But yeah, that gets a little. It's, a touch, and go, it's a touch and go kind of thing. It's it's an you know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yep. so, so that gets a little tricky on like a telecast old style telecaster that has the screws going into the body where you have to actually take the pick guard off to make the adjustments. Yeah. Yay. So. All right, here we go. John Williams from Grizzly Bay setup. Some seem to like pickups close to the strings, and others insist on them being very low. A lot of people think uh, there's there's a theory about um, reson- it'll resonate longer if there's less magnetic pull. Uh, well, that's what we were kind of just yeah. slightly right. touching on. So that's that's why. Um, well, I think I think you so. Can it's the compare- quest for sustain. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think a, a really good comparison. I think an episode 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 or two ago, we had talked about an Esquire versus a Tele, and because the Esquire doesn't have a neck pickup, True. Um, there tends to be they tend to sustain a little bit longer. Uh, same thing on like we were talking about Les Paul Juniors earlier. A single pickup guitar um, has less potential magnetic interference or uh, to the strings to keep them from vibrating that's just that I mean that's just a given okay all righty let's move on to another one from gl uh pickup types this is these next couple questions are about pickup types gl asks uh can you guys discuss so-called noiseless pickups and lace sensors absolutely so the lace sensor is not a noiseless pickup. And that's the an actual brand name. Uh, yes. Uh, I believe it's Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Lace or John Lace. I forgot. Forgive me, Lace. But uh, Lace sensors you are a, a, a terrific, <laughs> terrific design. Uh, and they were used in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, Stratocaster, uh, Strat, what were they called? Oh, I was just talking De- about it a little earlier. Deluxes or Strat? Uh, yeah, Strat Plus. Strat Plus, yeah. Yeah, so the trust Strat Plus model with the the nut lock and all that extra goody stuff on there. And I believe they also used uh, those in a uh, Eric Clapton model yeah. uh, at one time. And uh, those have a very teeny tiny little small coil, and the coil is surrounded with brass and uh, it's got a large ceramic magnet that's actually underneath the coil. So it actually has a kind of a different flux field going on. Um, but it's, I guess it's just quieter that way, the way they engineered that. And uh, I myself have never really gotten any more deeper than that. But a um, uh, the noiseless pickup is basically two coils uh that work like a humbucker but it's just in a stacked position or in some cases a side beside uh take for instance a um a, a precision base you have two small coils two little rectangular coils and they're kind of staggered and they both have the four like on a four string they have the four magnets in each uh each string gets two magnets uh, two, uh, you know, one, one, uh, pickup is wound one way and the other, 
uh, pickup or coil as well on the other. So you you have that same noiseless. So that's a noiseless design as well. Also, Mustangs and Duo Sonics had the same thing going on, um, but that's only if you had both pickups on. So it's you know what that, that's that's what makes it noiseless is basically when you have two coils that are you know uh, canceling out that hum, right? The single cycle hum. So that comes specifically. I th- for those who don't know, this is mostly for single coil pickups, mm-hmm. right? So what's but it's interesting- not. Well, I mean, I'm talking specifically about the lace sensor. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what I find interesting about that is um, if you look at like the artist lists on on lace on lace page, it is overwhelmingly like really heavy music. Which is very interesting, I think. A lot of heavy and a lot of very proggy kind of, you know, like math and math rock and and heavy, like, doomy stuff. And The early stuff that Lace put out was vintage output. So I, I think maybe um, they had a gold set, which all three pickups were gold and they were all vintage. And I believe the red, white, and blue uh, had a hotter bridge in middle. And so they were... You know, just had different dynamics. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, I just wonder I, what what the significance is with like so many artists doing like really high output, really sort of heavy stuff. Um, w- what the what the connection there is with you know well, the, I, the lace I, sensor? I think it, it even isn't even so much the lace sensors sens- sensors. They're the uh, you know EMG. A lot of really heavy. Players are using an EMG. Pick. Yeah, I mean, classic. Oh, yeah, we'll like get into like that. Kurt Hammett, an like you know, he, yeah. And those those have a different, you know, frequency profile and yeah, and, and, oh yeah, and noise profile. Okay, good question there, Mister Man. Uh, let's see here. Uh, explain what are gold foils? Where does the name come from? I guess gold foil is used in their construction? Question mark. What makes them sought after? Where can you find them? Some old guitars, some newer guitars. I mean, I know that's a lot of the same. It's, yeah. it's just explain about it. Yeah, John, uh, James, John, James, Peter, James, James Pegler kind of asked the same thing. Um, ah, yes, James Pegler. In gold foil pickups, are the foil quote covers purely aesthetic, or does it affect the sound? So uh, to answer both at the same time. Mm-hmm. The gold foil pickups are the ones that you see on the old Tyscos and the Harmonies. The uh, Armin made several of those. And the foil you see is the nice gold foil uh, that is mostly it's in like a setting. stamped. It's like usually like stamped gold yeah. foil, right? Well, not, right. Not there so is the- some metallic yeah. properties in that, in that material. So I guess if you, uh, you know, put it up to some sort of computer program where you can see sound waves and you a and B to non gold foil. Um, you took the foil off, tested it, you put the foil back on, you might see a slight difference in a sound wave, but as far as, um, hearing it with the human ear, I, I really well, that, don't that think that can you're even go into like the covered versus uncovered kind pickups. of, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you'll that's a big rabbit hole subject there. It, and it is. Uh, we've gone over Thanks that. To Slash. 
<laughs> but the, I mean, seriously, the foil is so, uh, yeah. But the foil is so much thinner. It's it's most of it's paper. All you have a very absolute tiny little thin layer of metallic that that was stamped. And why are they so sought after? They didn't, you know, they made them years and years ago. And when they, you know, they were on cheaper guitars, so they would just throw them out. Mm. You know, they didn't really think to save it. So that's that's pretty much why, because of there aren't very many of them. You can th- the, you can thank Ry Cooter for that. He, that yeah, that, that was too. his his he contribution. Yeah, I mean, he took things out of the old Tesco's and and on old harmonies and things like mm-hmm. that. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I, in my personal opinion, I think it's mostly cosmetics. Um, yeah, it is. And I mean, it's a single coil pickup. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a very thin. So you, they take a very thin magnet and they put paper flanges on the top and bottom. They put it in a jig and they wind it and then they, wrap the paper all around the whole coil and magnet and they glue it all together and they put that thin little, you know, bobbin basically, uh, onto the, onto the metal plate. They put the gold foil over that and then they put the cover on that and you got a really thin surface mount pickup. Yeah. It was a lot easier to install them than, you know, that way than to, to make routes in the bodies. Absolutely. And that's different so. than the screen tops pickups.com. <laughs> yeah. It's a I little guess. different. It's a lot different. Yeah. It's, it, well, screen tops are just like your favorite sounding pickup, but with a screen on the top. Right. At, yes. at screen tops pickups.com. Yes. Yep. That, Thank that's, you. That's the one. That's the one. I should know. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's another one. Uh, what are active pickups? Mm. Obviously, awesome. there is an active preamp following the pickups, mm-hmm. but the, are the pickups themselves different than regular passive pickups? The great yes. mystery. What's inside an EMG pickup? Yeah. Less. Yes. Go ahead, Jared. I'll let you A take A lot that. less. So they're wound... Oh, probably 75% less than a passive pickup. And all that less is recharged with a 9-volt battery and magical mythical circuitry to make it sound mean. And the advantage the advantage of that is you uh, and I don't really do a lot of this, so I'm I'm somewhat talking out of my butt here, but <laughs> I would say that there's a lot more advantage. Do not picture that. Right. There's, there's an, I'm going to say advantage again. Uh, Cause you, you can do whatever. I mean, you can make any circuitry to make that sound however you want, because you basically have barely any character in a pickup and you're adding it via circuitry and battery uh, rather than, a passive pickup where you're just stuck with that pickup is, the way do it is. Do you think that there's, is there more compression in that? Like, do you get just a, uh, like a, I think the compression, if any, would come from the preamp circuit. Yes. That's in there. Yeah. What, what, what's interesting about active pickups is the impedance has changed. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lower impedance pickup compared, way lower. compared to a standard, you know, uh, you know, Passive pickup, I guess we'd call it. Mm-hmm. And um, to my ear, I don't know. They're they always seem either too clean, too brittle. But if you're running it through 
you know, tons of gain, uh, tons of gain, and tons of pedals. That could be helpful, and it gives you a good, clean starting signal, and a strong starting, and a and a constant starting signal. Yes, um, but the disadvantage with with using a lot of active pickup, almost every active pickup, is you have to have an onboard uh, preamp circuit. Mm-hmm. So there were some Moog boards in the Artisan models of Gibson in the 70s. And you also, in the late 70s and early 80s, you had, the, and probably still make them, the, the Music Man bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. those are some active pickups that people don't really realize that are- use active pickups. I mean, those That are, are really, like, those are really active. Yeah, I mean, and they're early- It's not just EMGs. No, I, I know, but they're, they're, those are synonymous with active. Yeah, I mean, I was just- Say like but, Kleenex, but when uh, it's when, my show. When Leo Fender uh, started Music Man, I mean that yep. a lot of those early, even the guitars, had uh, active circuitry and active pickups in them. Mm. His own designs. Mm. That's a great, uh, that's Leo. a great story, Tony. Thank you. Great question, man. Yeah, I'm glad excellent. that was brought up. All right, uh, let's go to did something just. Oh, here we go. This is from Brian Robison. Mr. Robison. This is about magnets. Question for Jared. What do some humbuckers, why do some humbuckers have a screw side and a slug side? Oh, man. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. There's more. (laughs) What's the purpose and difference in sound? And what would the effect be with two screw sides versus two slug sides? And they make them. So, and they make them. Yep. <laughs> In the beginning of all this humbucker madness, uh, I believe Seth Lover did not want any screw side. He wanted both slugs. Mm. Uh, and Ted McCarty, I believe, I think he was a CEO back then. Um, Ted McCarty of Gibson wanted the screws. And I'm not sure if he wanted to, and I don't know. Exactly why, but my guess is he wanted to give the customer the option to, you know, slightly change the tone a little bit, adjust um, if there was, you know, maybe they wanted the two middle string. I I don't know. Was there a, um, but here's what happens if you screw all your screws out and you have an uneven, um, you know, height between the two coils, one's obviously going to overpower the other. And it's, it's just going to, uh, the, the pickup will sound brighter, uh, and less, uh, it'll just sound less midi, it, less powerful is a better way to say it. If you unscrew your, if you unscrew your pickup height screws and you can just sloppily move your pickup around and it's plugged in under the strings if you tilt the pickup back or forward you will see major tone differences when you do that and that's actually how the the charlie christian pickup that i mentioned earlier uh works there's actually adjustments where you can just tilt the whole pickup up or down um and there was two screws uh, well below that pickup towards the bridge to do that with. So you're changing the shape of the flux field in which that also changes th- the tone mm-hmm. of the, of the pickup of mm-hmm. the, of the guitar. Uh, Tony, do you have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, that goes back to, we had talked about the differences between filtertrons and humbuckers. Filtertrons have uh, uh, 12 adjustable screw top 
pull yep. pieces. Dirty fingers too. And yeah, I mean, and so there, there are some, and, and there are plenty of other options out there that allow you that adjustment. Um, I don't know that it makes that much difference, but you know, if you did all 12 slugs, I guess you would have a, a slightly different sound. If you see old fifties juniors that once in a while, like the, the pickup or maybe the, I don't know, the neck is warped or something is wrong. Some guys screw the screws, the adjustable screws out of those P nineties all, you know, closer to the strings. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see that sometimes. And, and that's just, so they get a common to do that with a B string. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, the the I've got a um, Nashville Deluxe Telecaster where in the middle position pickup, which I would never under any circumstance ever in my whole life use. They do um, in Nashville. Uh, yeah, I know. But the pole on the B is, I think it's the pole. I mean, I think it's, it's the B. I'm pretty sure it's the B. Is yeah, it's uh, the B. raised. Mm-hmm. So it's almost twice as high as the other ones right i think the the major difference came about with a with the unwound g uh so a plain g mm-hmm. which becomes much louder because it's, it doesn't have a wrap on the string mm-hmm. right. so generally speaking the g you would lower the pull piece fenders started lowering them on on their you know like on a staggered strat set and, mm-hmm. and that yep. sort of thing yeah so that's to compensate for the loudness of the individual string i see all right. Hello, Sailor Effects. Hello, Sailor. Here we go. What is your go-to magnet for a PAF-style pickup in both positions? Short versus short slash long? A starred weekend degaust? Is is he speaking Liverpudlian to me? I don't understand this. No, he's Does speaking- it matter as much as we all think? Uh, that's, that depends on how degauzed it is. If it's just slightly, what is ever degauzed, so degauzed, Jared? that's when, that's when, uh, the magnet is not at its peak, uh, strength. Uh-huh. A gau- gauss is, in other words, that's, that's the, the level of strength that it's at, at its state, the current state of it. Um, and different grades are meant to hold different numbers of gauss and uh-huh. you I have a Gauss meter so I can read the Gauss on a magnet and um okay so you, let's say you have a magnet and it says this should be it I'm going to make up a number cuz I'm I don't know I'll only go 5 What? No 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 if if you if you got a magnet and it says this should be at a rating of 5 Gauss and you say right. well I'm just going to give it 3 is that what we're talking about? Yes so that's the gaussing because it you you be. can reduce yeah, the Tony power gave me of a bunch magnet. of really, really weird eyebrows. Like, oh, shut up, Todd. De- yeah, it's de- usually in the three hundreds anyway. Yeah, okay. degaussing actually reduces the magnetic strength. Yes, that's where I was. That's yep. And gaussing deuces it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, right? And no, it's duck duck gauss. Okay, so right. back to his question: <laughs> What is your go-to magnet? For PAF style pickups in both positions, um, right in the pocket, it's all Nico four. That's oh. all Nico four. It's it's just right in the pocket. I had you pegged for a A five. You know, A five if they were hot, if they were in the nine, ten, eleven range, ah, in twelve range, I'd go all Nico five or 
you know, let's go super distortion. What would be, that would be, you know, ceramic, but, um, okay. But so no, on equal four to me is it's not near as strong as a five. Well, not, it's not supposed to be, but, uh, and it's, it's stronger than a three and a two. It's, it's right there. I, it's, and it also depends what kind of guitar you're using. If, you, them if in. you're following a number system. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they're fully gaussed, then I would go on Nico four. Okay. So I think a good example about Gauss is uh, to use would be Seymour Duncan Antiquity. You can buy Seymour Duncan Antiquity on Nico two Strat or you know Jazzmaster or whatever. Um, and their point is like they're simulating old magnets that possibly aid you know that age and loose magnetism their whole uh philosophy is why just go through the painstaking of degaussing a magnet when you can just put a, a lesser lower grade magnet with less power and it would just do the same thing because the strength of a magnet is what decides how strong that that magnet is now are there other uh, little things that may have to do with the grade. Yeah, I think there are, but for the most part, the strength of a magnet is what contr- what contributes what the magnet uh, does for the pickup. So, um, degaussing and gauzing. I I don't degauze magnets unless somebody's just really, really. Um, that sounds you know, like a very specific serious. Custom thing. It's a very, very nitpicky kind of thing to degauss magnets and and it's kind of a buzzword out out in the pickup world if you're into pickups mm-hmm. um and i think there's a misconception with that too so i i i like to fully gauze all my all my magnets when i get them okay and it, and they will naturally degauss over time um I think in some cases they do, and in many weaken. many cases, weaken. yes, they they barely weaken. But in a lot of cases, it's not enough to, that you can hear a difference. Okay, sounds good. Let's but in some on. some cases, maybe that's a big rabbit hole. So I think we just climbed out of it. Okay, Jared. Last question. Yeah. Give us a sales pitch. Do you have any unique designs you are proud of? We understand that the bulk of your work is repairs and recreations of old pickups. What about non-vintage guitars? So it's still a good, you know, a, a vintage guitar, but it's a pickup for a vintage guitar. I'm not the first one to make a noiseless jazz master, but I am the first one to make it as I did. Uh, so the noiseless jazz masters that I just kind of came out with about six months ago. They're the the pickup that I'm most proud of because I figured out how to get a really genuine sounding uh, Jazzmaster sound uh, that's noiseless without totally altering uh, the, t- the overall tone, the overall frequency response. So that... Is it modern? Yeah, it's a modern take on a vintage sound, pretty much. I think the so beauty—that's that, what I'm really proud of. Yeah, I think the beauty of that pickup. I've got a couple of sets. 
um, is it does retain a jazz mastery kind of sound. There's a, yeah. the, one of the big problems I think you have with whether it's a stacked pickup, as you know, they're you know like P100s, which were stacked P90s. Ugh. They, Ooh, they yeah, just they good. just sound Terrible. wrong. They don't have the same characteristics. Whereas I think the uh, the noiseless Jazzmaster ones that you're making do have and the noiseless P90s and the noiseless P90s. Uh, they they have the same tonal you know characteristics that uh, that that the you know single coil versions do. Yeah, I mean that's not easy to do, especially the P90 bridge noiseless. Those are really hard. Mm, yeah. Um and some pickup companies out there. I think Lindy Freeland's Yeah, Lindy. I think he's he's kind of the king of of the the P90 and when it comes to the noiseless P90s, that that's that's him. So a sales pitch for Lindy as well. I mean yeah. that yeah. he is really good at at those at that Technology. I want the noise, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'll give you the noise all day, baby. <laughs> um, one thing that we didn't talk about was charging magnets. Uh, generally, you need a super duper duper strong uh, magnetic field to charge a magnet. And uh, I use a commercial grade um, magnet charger for that and uh, a lot of other pickup winders that do it on the weekends they use neodymium magnets Mm -hmm. that do a pretty good job but in my opinion they don't do the full mccoy but uh anyway i just i just i think there's something else i can help plug for you there too there buster which is um your you you've acquired some pretty key pieces of uh winding equipment Oh gosh, yeah. I've you know, um I've got some of the winders that are similar to the Gibson winders. One model is the exact. Uh another one is like out a of newer the, version. Out of the factory? No, it's not out of the factory, oh. but it's Made it by was the same produ- company. Oh. Same company, same model, uh, same everything. But Gibson has moder- modernized theirs. They st- and what's so awesome about Gibson is that they still use that same winder they've had from the fifties. And that's, that's the meteor 301. Now the Lasonas are gone. They don't, they didn't use those anymore. Cause you only did three bobbins at a time and they took a lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gundry has one and Seymour Duncan has one. Mm-hmm. So, and John Gundry also has the wooden uh, built coil winder, which is really cool. So mm. if you guys want to check out like some old original winders, check out You the, have one. You have a wooden one I, you showed me. That yeah, oh that's an unwinder. Oh uh-huh. that's an unwinder. Yeah. That's a really cool thing <laughs> yeah. too. But well uh Jared, we didn't yep. stump you, which is probably a good thing. I love that you can talk about these things with great passion and great understanding and great knowledge of the thing that you do so well. It makes me sound smart on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I love this because I learn so much every single time. I just, you know, my, my brain is a brim with factual knowledge and Tony's bladder is a brim with Quattro brewskis. <laughs> I, and it's in his veins. Thine eyeballs are floating, Tony. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, here we go. We're gonna get into some uh, some good stuff right now. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard me talk all episode about pickups, and now you're going to hear me sing, Would you rather? This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by our good old buddy, Uncle Tony Baloney. <laughs> so you want to collect old juniors and the first two juniors that you have to Gibson, choose from. Les Paul Jr. Double cuts. Gibson, Les Paul Jr. Double cut with the tortoiseshell pickguard. I was, that was a lucky guess. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. So there's two in the paper. And one description is 1959 black rare Gibson Jr. Yada yada yada. Double the, cut the away. Newspaper. Da, 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 da. The people. Yeah. You're looking times. in the paper. He's That's looking right. at trading times. He's uh, on Craigslist. It's beat up. Craigslist is beat up, <laughs> and it's got rash on the back. It's you know got all the wares and looks awesome, and it's but it's you know solid. There's no cracks, breaks, or anything like that. Or the next listing you see is for a 1960, same color, pretty much the same everything, except it's had a headstock repair. Mm. But it's in pristine condition otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's been sitting under the the uh, the bed on, uh, you know, upstairs in grandma's uh, bedroom. And one day, one of the kids got it out and dropped it. And it broke, and then they had to get it repaired. Or looked so. at it. Yes, they just Pretty looked much. at it. <laughs> so uh, which one are you going to take? Because you can only afford one. All right. All right. So what you're telling me, Jared, is we can have a 1959. Both of these are rare, 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 black. Uh, Mega super rare. Double cuts. One is you from, assume it was refinished when you saw it. Yeah, I assume that. But after reading the article in Vintage Guitar Magazine... I realized that it could be a factory finish. Yep. So the 59 is pretty beat up, rough mm. around the edges, but no breaks. Been played. Been played. And then yep. the other is a, is a 1960, same model and everything, yep. except it has had a headstock repair. That's it. But everything but else is But it's in super, super clean condition. Minty mm. clean, except for the, the repair. Yeah. All right, Tony. Well, so two things. Generally speaking, every old guitar that I've picked up that has is a little bit rough and worn out is is usually a pretty good indicator of the someone has loved and played that instrument, which usually means it sounded pretty good and, you know, is is an excellent instrument. Some of the vintage instruments that you know, in this case, may have had a headstock repair, which isn't the end of the world uh, if it's done right and it's solid. But if they, if it has no wear and tear on it, it's almost as if it was, you know, as we would call it, a wall hanger. Mm. And you know, I think it was in a Wilco book that if uh, a guitar that isn't played starts to think it's a piece of furniture. And I think that, you know, I, I, I think any day of the week, assuming that everything is clean and, and, and original and, and playable and sounds good, I'm going to go with the more beat up one because I think that that is a good indicator of the quality of the instrument. 
So I'm, I'm going with the beat up 59. All right. Yep. Jared. Yeah. Um, pretty much the same thought process Tony has, but, uh, maybe I can elaborate a little differently. Go ahead. Um, Give it so, your best. Yeah, it's going to be the same idea pretty much, but I think the same way. I mean, there. It, I don't know if you guitar guys out there have ever gotten your hands on a real old vintage guitar that's got a lot of wear on it. They feel really good. They feel so comfortable. They feel worn in. Um, when you slide your hand up and down the neck, uh, the finish is worn off, but it feels super silky smooth. Whereas a you know a guitar that has all the finish on it that hasn't been played much feels a little more uh, pointy and jaggedy, and there's no wear, and the finish is sticky because I don't know. Uh, that could be number one. It's just it was just never loved and played because a guy bought it and he never learned how to play it, and then he died of a car accident. I know that was kind of specific. But. That was macabre too. <laughs> yeah. And so the the guitar sat under the bed for 30, 40 years and then got broken. Maybe you know. he saw one and was really scared and that was why. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the beat up. I, I would just kind of gravitate towards that anyhow. Yeah. You know, because I, I know it's a pretty much know what to expect with the old beat up uh, used loved guitars mm -hmm. those are the best i'm gonna go the same route uh with the added uh bonus of the idea of having a guitar that old that's worth that much like why on earth would i choose one that has had a headstock repair even if it was done by the best headstock repair guy on the planet no matter what, that's always going to be a cause for speculation for a guitar of that vintage, I, I would assume. When I say no matter what, that is my limited knowledge of, you know, that kind of thing. Well, wait, does, that's it, fair enough. does it come with the original case? Ooh. <laughs> Screw the case. <laughs> the case is probably worth more than my car. Who cares? Legitimately. Eh, maybe. If it's um, worn in, you're going to play it all yeah, the time. Yeah, but I want I to... Uh, yeah, there's, there's not even a question for yep. me. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, we just wanted to all want that guitar. That's what that Would You Rather was about. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All righty. Uh, Tony? Yes? How about we thank some people? <laughs> I would like to thank some people. At this point of the show, we like to thank our executive producers. Now, you might be sitting there saying, what's an executive producer? And more importantly, how do I become one? Here's what you do, folks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check out a couple of different levels in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. To get these kind of episodes. This is like a two-hour episode for Pete's sake. Yeah, we're worn out. But the top of the heap, I guess you would call them that, the level that we love the most. Can I do it? King of the hill, <laughs> top of the heap, a number one. Lovely. That was nice. Wow. How about that? I didn't know you were doing the Sinatra thing. Then I don't know if I did it right. Yeah, you did it pretty close. Okay. 
Our executive producers get a great bevy of thank you gifts. All of our all of these participants. There's things like barefoot buttons and keychains and t-shirts and stickers and pics and all the good stuff. But Jared, the executive producers get what else? Well, they get their name read on the thing. Their name read on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers, Mr. Tom Barazin. Martin Cliff, John Daly, Chris Kearney, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Johnny Knowles, Anthony Lanthrop. Ah, I, I, I made that mistake myself. It's Anthony Lathrop. Lathrop. Nice one, Tony. Sorry, I couldn't blame Todd for that. John Anglin, Tyler Bray, Brad Partridge, Chris Heidel. John Esterley, Doug Gann, Justin Jones, Brett Alexander, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Gula Guitars, Richard Kendall, Tyg Harmon, John Williams, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, David Rando, Douglas King, Gary Cooper, Rob Saxby, Mark Garten, Elad Mizrahi, and Mike D. Excellent. Hey, wait, Todd. Uh, Wait a second. Because there's another group of executive producers. These are the guys that hang out up on the penthouse suite. These are our grand poobas. And we, actually this week, we have an upgrade from an executive producer to grand pooba. So welcome aboard, James Pennington, Tyler Rines, Kim No. Tim Nowak. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> Kim no Kim <laughs> Nowak. She, holy moly. Sorry about that. Steve Keys, Adam Johnson, Tommy Manasco, Sean S., Cody Foster, Science of Sound, David Kamingo, uh, Corey Nigro, Jonathan Jerusik. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you so much for your support, one and all. All right, everybody. Tony, where can people find you? Uh, let's just see you need, say you need a special pick guard, changing pickups out. Go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the wares I have for sale. Mm-hmm. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're looking for in terms of colors and all that fun stuff. And I will take good care of you. Excellent. Jared? Surprise, I do pickups. <laughs> <laughs> So if you uh, need some new pickups, we do those. Some vintage pickups and even vintage looking like they're old. We do those too. We do rewinds, uh, home of the noiseless jazz master. And uh, watch my little uh, show, the rewind time with Brandon Wong pickups. Got to get more episodes out. I know. Uh, Jared, at Brand- Jared at Brandon pickups.com. Yes, it's been busy, my friend. All right. You can shoot me an email, Todd at the guitarnobs.com. You can DM me on Instagram at guitarnobs. And you can also watch our show or rather listen. You can watch our, our faces not move, but you can hear our mouths move on YouTube. We are, we do have all of our episodes there as well. Thank you all for listening to this super long, super awesome. I think it was awesome. I learned a ton and uh, it was really fun uh, episode. Uh, (laughs) That was just a weird run on sentence. (laughs) 
How about we, we get, are tired. How about we give a special thanks to Jared for giving us all this information? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hell, Tony hope helped a yeah, lot. Thank no. you, Tony Baloney. And Jared, thank you for sharing so much with uh, all of our, all the listeners out there. And thank and, you listeners uh, for the questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's a lot to add on to a very busy day for a single Especially, guy building yeah. stuff. Especially Gary. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Like the seven win. or eight of them. I think, yeah. uh, I think I'm going to have to contact him. Maybe get him a little something, something. Yeah. Yep. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe. Yeah. Uh, I love a parade. Hi, Jared. Hello, my friend. If I don't approve, there's going to be some changes. It's <laughs> I'm going to take a break right there. Tony's down three quarts. <laughs> three quarts? Three, well, he's up three quarts, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. One toke over the line. Oh. Derailed. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, you think you should rethink that, Tony? <laughs> At least you care about one of us not sounding like a moron. <laughs> 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 Magnets. Uh, uh, I'm really burnt out. <laughs> We're almost done, Jared. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.